So this podcast is about how the traditional married couple estate planning can cause kids to pay extra tax. Welcome everybody, Paul Rabelais here. I'm an estate planning attorney uh, in Louisiana. You can get more information on me by checking out the podcast here, Estate Planning with Paul Rabelais. You can check out the YouTube channel, Rabelais Estate Planning LLC, website rabelaisestateplanning.com. Check out one of my books. Um, and so this is one where it this, this potential problem mm, often gets overlooked. Doesn't even, doesn't even come up. And it's because of intricacies in our law, both at the federal tax law level and in our state law. And it's a combination of the way things used to be done, perhaps shouldn't be done the same way now. And just, you know, uh, the, uh, the, the, it, it, people haven't adjusted. So really what I'm about to go over is how um, when married couples set up their estate planning the traditional way, which I'll define in a moment, then after the parents die and the kids start selling things, whether it was investments or real estate, oftentimes a lot of unnecessary capital gains tax has to be paid by the kids that could have been avoided. So let's jump right to it. First, I'll talk about the traditional estate planning that married couples would typically engage in with the primary emphasis on avoiding estate tax, um, what couples would do, and you could read and listen to and watch lots more about this in, in other videos, especially older ones and older writings, is the married couple would set up their wills or set up that trust so that when the first spouse died, the wills or trust were arranged so that the assets of the first spouse to die, that spouse's separate property, that spouse's one half of the community property, would not be lumped into the estate of the surviving spouse. And the way that would be done could be done a, a, through a variety of different terms, many of which do the same thing, but sometimes it would be stated that when the first spouse dies, those assets of the first spouse to die would go into a, you could call it in, some people called it an AB trust. Some people called it a family trust, survivor's trust. Some people called it a credit shelter trust, bypass trust. Some people would call it a Q-tip trust. If people had wills in Louisiana, they would leave their spouse the usufruct of what they had. And all of those things would be designed so that the assets of the first spouse to die would not be included in the estate of the surviving spouse for estate tax purposes. Because that was real important. And also, a real and in, in traditional estate planning, the capital gains tax at best was an afterthought. And what would happen is when the first spouse dies, our federal capital gains tax law um, says that in community property states of which Louisiana and Texas and other Southwest along the West Coast states are community property states, all of the community property gets a step up in basis when the first spouse dies. And that's a good thing. 
So if mom and dad bought some stock for $2 a share and they kept it for many, many years and when dad died, it was worth $50 a share, but dad only owned half of it because it was community property. Well, all of the stock, both dad's half and mom's half, got a step up. And so that really helped mom out when she needed to sell stock after dad died. So, so that's a good thing. And then under traditional estate planning, when, and let's say it was 100 shares, when mom later dies, well, mom continues to own her 50 shares, but dad's 50 shares, somehow it became irrevocable or it went into an irrevocable trust when dad died or he left mom usufruct. And mom didn't own those shares. Those, you know, dad's 50 shares were not included in mom's estate, which in old days was great for estate tax purposes, could have avoided a 55% tax. But those shares that dad left in trust or in usufruct for mom would not get another step up in basis when mom dies. Only mom's half would get another step up in basis. So if from the time that dad died, it was worth $50 a share to the time mom, mom died, it was worth $80 a share. Only mom's half of those shares got another step up to 80. Again, you want to get a step up so that when the kids sell the stock after mom dies, their basis for half of the shares is $80 and their basis for half of the shares is $50. So if they sell it for 80 or more, they're, you know, they're, they're going to pay some, some could be significant capital gains tax. So that was traditional estate planning. First spouse dies, that spouse's share of the assets becomes irrevocable. It's perhaps in a trust or in usufruct for the surviving spouse. All the assets get a step up in basis when the first spouse dies first spouse's assets are kept out of the estate of the surviving spouse and only surviving spouse's half gets another step up in basis when the surviving spouse dies. And that was okay because you were trying to avoid estate tax. Well, now fast forward to 2018 and beyond with, an, with a combined estate tax exemption of $22.4 million for a married couple or $11.2 million for each spouse. And with these somewhat new portability laws that allows the surviving spouse to use any part of the $11.2 million exemption that was unused by the first spouse to die, it's really the estate tax is for 99 probably 8 or 9% of families, estate tax is a non-issue. So who cares if the estate of the first spouse to die assets get lumped into the estate of the second spouse to die? You combine it all together, it's not going to be $22.4 million. So in the traditional estate planning, you had to forfeit the second step up in basis on the first spouse to die's assets. Now it's different. Avoiding estate tax is a piece of cake. Keep the total assets under 22.4 million, 
but we want to get what's called the double step up in basis on everything. So we want to set it up so that when the first spouse dies, those assets get included in the estate of the surviving spouse because the assets that are in the estate of the surviving spouse get another step up in basis when the surviving spouse dies. So how do you arrange for the first spouse to die's assets to be included in the estate of the surviving spouse? Well, you do it through your will or trust and you do what we dare didn't do, you know, 15 years ago. You know, a simple option is uh, uh, create your will or trust in a way that you leave everything to your spouse. Husband says, when I die, I leave ownership of what I have to my spouse. Married couple in their joint trust says, when the first spouse dies, the surviving spouse can revoke the entire trust. And that's going to make it included in the estate of the surviving spouse. Why wouldn't you do that? Well, um... For a couple of reasons. One is, let me kind of take the obvious one, the blended family situation. Maybe husband doesn't want his wife to own everything because she'll leave it all to her kids. Nothing will make it back to his kids. So there still may be some reasons to, um, you know, provide that when the first spouse dies, things become irrevocable. And then when the surviving spouse dies, those assets of the first spouse to die or what's left of them must revert back to the heirs or beneficiaries of the first spouse to die. So we're talking a lot of spouse to die, spouse to die, first, second, step up, but you may need to rewind this a couple of times and listen to it, but it can make a significant difference, particularly if there's appreciation in estate assets from the time of death to the first spouse until the time of death of the surviving spouse. So um, there's different ways to get that double step up, but the simple way is leave ownership to the surviving spouse, make the make that joint trust you know completely revocable by the surviving spouse. Um, but there are some other pros and cons that don't have anything to do with taxes, but have everything to do with um, control issues and preserving assets for children and making assets kind of divorce proof in case the surviving spouse does get married and wants to leave assets to the second spouse, excluding you know, children of the first spouse to die. So there's all those issues that need to be discussed. But it's important enough an issue to bring it up and really the only time to address this appropriately is when the married couple gets together to, um, to arrange for how they want to leave, leave things to each other to their spouse, to their kids. Once one spouse dies, it's too late. You know, what, what was written becomes etched in stone when, when the first spouse dies, and you've got to follow that. So often overlooked, a lot of time married couples are thinking how they want to leave it to the kids after they're both gone, who's going to be in charge, who's going to be the executor, the trustee, power of attorney. I, I've seen on many occasions where they overlook the tax consequences of how they leave things to each other. And really that should be one of the most important items that should be addressed because virtually all couples want to try to preserve as much as, as they can for their family, want the family to avoid unnecessary tax. And so, you know, preserving this double step up in basis can be real important.
So there you have it. Uh, hope that helps. Um, let us know if you have some questions. You can jot questions in the comments to YouTube videos. Uh, that's probably the best place. If you have any experience with this, uh, with parents or personal experience that you can share to help other people who are listening, watching, reading, feel free to you know add those you know positive comments to the to the material. Um, you know, the more you get educated, the better. Too many people these days are saying, I didn't know. I wish I would have known. My father must not have known. My husband must not have known. So the whole purpose behind this communication is to get this stuff out there so as many people can listen to it and benefit from it, get get things done right in advance. Um, so hope hope it helps. Have a great day.